0: team you're listening to mlb.com extras brought to you by mlb.tv it's baseball everywhere
1: hard to believe but it is the final day of may tuesday may 31st is the date. it is matt Waymeyer joined by adam Berry, pirates reporter as we're talking uh pirates baseball today and uh Adam, a most uh, welcome victory for the Pirates on Memorial Day on Monday. They put the skids to a brief two game skid with a resounding 2-0 win over the Marlins, uh, as I said, on Monday. And what a game by uh, Jeff Locke last night, Adam. His first career complete game and shutout. And rather amazingly uh, for a staff that has Garrett Cole as a member of it, the Pirates had gone uh, almost two full years without either a complete game or a shutout. Like I said, I found that quite surprising and Locke accomplishing all of this last night with the only one strikeout along the way, which is, you know, very rare. Third time this season, I believe, that he's only struck out one batter in an outing. So, kind of give me your uh, overall assessment of Locke's complete game shutout performance on Monday.
2: Yeah, I think it was just kind of the Jeff Locke performance we've seen a little, a, really a lot more of this season in that he's just trusting his defense. You know, he's sort of being more aggressive in the strike zone, throwing strikes, and trying to use opposing hitters' aggressiveness against them, and it worked last night. The defense was everywhere they needed to be. Um, Locke was in the strike zone. He was so efficient. When you talk about just throwing strikes and getting the ball put in play, he never threw more than 16 pitches in any one inning. Uh, he went into the ninth inning with a pitch count of 90. Uh, just a really efficient performance. It wasn't dominant like you would expect You know, your traditional uh, complete game shutout to be. It wasn't Clayton Kershaw or anything like that, but it was you know, I think it was an encouraging performance for Locke because he kind of saw the things that they've been telling him to work on, uh, you know, finally succeed in a, in a really meaningful way. They've been telling him to, to go all in, to trust his defense, to be aggressive, to focus on, you know, making this inning your best inning. And I think, you know, he, he did that about as well as he could hope. He had some good luck. Like I said, he had some really good defense, but uh, Francisco Cervelli Said that he was pretty much hitting his spots where he needed to. And, uh, you know, as their game plan went, he pretty well executed it. And I think one benefit of not getting a, a whole lot of swing and misses, not a whole lot of strikeouts, is that it allows you to pitch deep into a game. And for Jeff Locke, that meant, uh, yeah, the Pirates' first complete game since July 28, 2014, which is thrown by Vance Worley. So if you had Vance Worley and Jeff Locke as the Pirates' most recent. Back-to-back, complete games, uh, collect your winnings, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. Like we said, for a staff that has Garrett Cole, for a staff that at one time had A.J. Burnett and currently has Francisco Liriano, as you said. Worley and uh, Jeff Locke, the guys that go the distance and throw the shutouts, uh, you know, baseball. It's a funny game, indeed, and that's Exhibit A right there. Now, I know that the whole, you know, strikeout thing is kind of a double-edged sword because, as you pointed out, on the plus side of things, it does enable a guy to go deeper into games because you're throwing fewer pitches. On the the negative side of things, I know that, you know, low strikeout totals are kind of frowned upon because of the whole, you know, figure of batting average on balls in play. There's some luck involved there. When you put so many balls in play, eventually some are gonna find holes of you know, the ones on Monday did not for lock. So going forward, is you know, is it gonna be okay, I guess, for him that These low strikeout totals that he puts up, you know, can he survive doing that, or is he a guy that needs to get a few more punchouts to be able to sustain success?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not sustainable to get one guy or no batters, uh, you know, over a number of starts in a row. I think the Marlins were just one of those teams where you can uh, be more aggressive in the strike. You kind of count on them to get themselves out. But the one benefit of that, you know, another benefit of it for Locke is that he didn't walk anybody. This is a guy who's had a lot of troubles with nibbling around the strike zone. And, you know, he was just a little bit more confident in the zone. And so I think, you know, eventually maybe you would hope to see not just strikes but quality strikes, you know, swing and miss strikes, uh, you know, trying to paint the corners. But, uh, you know, it was a step forward for Locke in the sense that he wasn't totally focused on the corners. He was focused on the zone itself and throwing strikes. So, yeah, I mean, you'd like to see more – because that strategy's not necessarily going to work against every team, and you're going to start to see teams pick up a little bit more on their scouting. As far as you know, Locke throwing a little bit of a different breaking ball now, more of a slurve. Uh, so I think teams are going to start catching up on that. Maybe you know get some more solid contact if he's just you know pounding the strike zone that way. So you know it's an area that he admitted that he needs to improve. He needs to throw more first pitch strikes, which was surprisingly an issue considering you know, went that deep into the game, but. Overall, I think just the from a confidence standpoint, last night was, was so important for Locke, and then you would hope that you could build on that in a number of other sort of performance uh, aspects.
1: And another uh, feather in Jeff Locke's cap, in addition to the complete game and the shutout effort, is that he is the pitcher that finally ended the 36 game on base streak of Marcel Ozuna, the longest such streak in the major leagues this season, Ozuna having a very Uh, Under the radar, terrific season. He's been the Marlins' best hitter, not Giancarlo Stanton. It's not even close, to be honest. So he's the guy, yeah, that finally kept Ozuna off base. And uh, hats off to Jeff Locke. Hopefully a performance he can build upon uh, moving forward. Uh, Adam, on the offensive side of things, another breakout game. Gregory Polanco hit his first career grand slam, and he kind of said after the game, I'd never even hit one in the minor league. So this was certainly a long time coming. But interesting to see that he batted seventh, After holding down the three spot in the order for the last couple of weeks, something that we discussed at length on last week's podcast, what was the thinking there dropping him to number seven?
2: Yeah, it's just that the the Marlins were starting a lefty. That's something that uh, Clint Hurdle has kind of experimented with a little bit is dropping Polanco against lefties because in the last two years he had struggled against, uh, you know, same-handed pitching. But, I mean, he's hitting it really well this season, not quite as well as he's hit righties. And, you know, David Freeze also hits well at Marlins Park, and he got the start, and he's bad third a lot this year as well. So uh, it made some sense to, to slot Freeze in the third spot. But, just, I mean, with the way Polanco hits, is hitting right now. And granted, the, the grand slam came against the right-hander as well. But it's really hard to argue against him being the third hitter in every situation. Um, and he showed it again with the first grand slam. And I was surprised, too, to hear him say, yeah, I never even hit one in the minors. You would think a guy like that with the, the numbers he put up, you know, the years he spent there, and just the pedigree would have would have come across one at some point. But, you know, it's a rare accomplishment. And he was he was really proud and had had plenty of reason to be, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great, great performance for him uh, on Memorial Day on Monday. And, Adam, would you agree that with the emergence of Polanco these last uh, couple of weeks in particular, when you look at that Pirates order, I think that, you know, Andrew McCutcheon is still the most respected member of that batting order because of his pedigree, his track record. He's a former MVP, and he's, you know, the face of the franchise. But while he may be the most respected member of the order, is Polanco the most feared member?
2: I think that's I think that's fair at this point. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon has not been the Andrew McCutcheon of years past so far this season. But you still do have to respect the bat speed. You have to respect the, you know, the the swing, the ability to get on base. So, yeah, there's a lot of respect there. But right now, I mean, Gregory Polanco, pretty much without question, is this team's best hitter. Um, you know, I did the update last night. He's hitting over 300, on-base percentage is nearly 400, and he's slugging well over 550. So, uh, it's hard to pitch around him at this point, I think. And you start to wonder if teams will maybe give Andrew McCutcheon some more hittable pitches just so they don't have to uh, go all in on on Polanco. It'll be it'll be kind of interesting to see the sort of the evolvement of that. Uh, of that spot in the batting order because essentially they put McCutcheon second believing that he was their best hitter and you want your best hitter hitting second now because yes has fewer, uh, you know, at bats with two outs and nobody on base and stuff like that. So you wonder maybe do they move McCutcheon back to third at any point? I know fans would like to see that because they, for some reason, think that his slump is a product of the spot in the batting order whereas in reality it's just some stuff with his swing. Uh, I'm a little curious to see how they play that out, whether it's this season or even next season, if Gregory Polanco truly is uh, this team's most feared hitter now.
1: Uh, Adam, take us back in time a little bit. Uh, for all the hype that we see right now with a with a glass now and a tie on the two main pitching prospects in the Pirates system, for all the hype surrounding them, was the hype surrounding Polanco as he was coming up, was it more or less than what we're seeing right now with the two pitchers? Yeah, You know, it's hard
2: to say. I think it was – Pretty, it was obviously pretty big, and the idea that you know he was the Pirates' best uh, position player prospect since Andrew McCutcheon, so there was a little bit more length maybe to the weight uh, for the Pirates' like next great hitter, but they were also a lineup with, with some young talent when you looked at you know McCutcheon, Marte, Neil Walker was around, Pedro Alvarez was hitting pretty well when the Polanco hype train was rolling. Um, I think right now the reason to tie on Glasnow and even you can throw Chad Cool's name in there Reason that is uh, so intense right now from fans, I think, is also in part because their rotation is struggling uh, the way it is, or has struggled the way it is. Especially when you see there are maybe some spots where they could upgrade. Specifically, right now, I think with Juan Nicasio, and then maybe by bumping Juan Nicasio, they could improve their bullpen. So you see that, you know, combined with just the insane numbers that uh, Glasnow and Tyon are putting up plus just the, the knowledge of these guys that they've been around. These aren't pop-up prospects. These are legitimate uh, future major leaguers. Yeah, I think it's pretty intense right now, maybe even more so uh, than it was with
1: Polanco. Interesting indeed. And, uh, Adam, to begin to wrap up here, you had the chance to speak the other day with a certain Mr. Barry Bonds as the Pirates, of course, in Miami, and uh, Bonds the first-year hitting coach of this Marlins team. And it was 30 years ago to the day yesterday when bonds made his major league debut and he seemed to recall with a remarkable remarkable clarity that uh, in his big league debut all for 5 and 3 strikeouts so it's kind of funny to look back on now give me some of the uh, the highlights of your discussion with the all-time home run king
2: yeah it was kind of a funny coincidence that the first day the first game in miami was exactly 30 years to the day since his major league debut for the pirates so you know we all the pittsburgh media Know, assembled such as it was, decided, hey, it'd be kind of neat if we could take a run at Barry Bonds over in the in the Marlins dugout and see if he remembers it, see what he has to say about it. And we started with that, and then it kind of evolved into this, you know, discussion about Bonds's tenure with the Pirates. And it was it was pretty interesting to hear him talk about it. He definitely remembered his debut very well. He remembered the neighborhoods where he lived. He gave a shout out to Mount Washington and Coriopolis, which was pretty funny here. Um, you know, we, we asked him what his fondest memory was looking back, and it was definitely those. 1990 to 92 teams, have, you know, made the playoffs, lost in the NLCS three years in a row. Um, he even said, you know, kind of a bummer, we couldn't put it all together and win then. And I'm sure, Pirates fans would certainly agree with him. Uh, so it was really kind of neat to hear him reflect back. He talked about, you know, Andrew McCutcheon, and he thinks that Cutch uh, is going to be remembered a lot better than than Bonds was during his time as a Pirate, just because McCutcheon has already spent more time in Pittsburgh and. Uh, you know he's got a couple more years left on that contract, so he thinks he's going to be remembered as, you know, the the next great pirate or the you know the greatest pirate since whoever you want to say Clemente or Stargell. It was it was kind of funny. Somebody asked him uh, how do you feel Andrew McCutcheon is fared since the, as the greatest pirate since Barry Bonds, and he said well, I don't think I was the greatest pirate at that point. He pointed back to uh, Clemente and Stargell as, as well. So. It's really neat to hear him, you know, look back on that time. Just such an accomplished man, such an accomplished baseball player. To look back, you know, at the stage that he is in now, beginning another phase of, of that baseball career. Looking back on when it sort of all began with Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, a controversial figure, obviously, but uh, as you said, he's beginning a new uh, chapter in his baseball life or a new chapter in his life uh, period as the Marlins' hitting coach. And great to see him open up and share his feelings on his uh, very successful tenure as a Pittsburgh Pirate back in the late 80s and early 90s. Great place to wrap this one up on this Tuesday afternoon, the final day of May as we turn the corner for June. That's when we will uh, talk about things next with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Adam Barry joining us as always. In the meantime, Matt Waymeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras Pittsburgh Pirates.